thankful because I'm rich and you're not. <laughs> You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life, it's episode 215, it's November 7th, 2019, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam, we have so much to talk about this week. Yeah, and uh, perhaps, I say I feel like I've said this about 19 times this year, but perhaps more than ever before, uh, so much that we can't talk about. Interesting week for WWE. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um... They had their uh, uh, semi-annual uh, Blood Money show. It sure. took me uh, three days to watch because I kept falling asleep. <laughs> Was it worth it? No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. And I never, I, uh, I didn't even, I half watched the main event. I don't know. There's just, n- has there ever been a good? Well, I guess this time you had Cesaro and Mansoor, which is undoubtedly the greatest match to ever happen on the Arabian Peninsula, as George <laughs> W. Bush would, would have said. But um, it's like the only good match in the history of Saudi Arabia. Huh. So you weren't a fan of the uh, the tag or uh, whatever Seth did in the main event? Nope, 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 nope. Interesting week for Seth. Uh, interesting week for WWE talent, who were uh, waylaid. Delayed uh, an extra 24 hours in Saudi Arabia. It's led to an interesting SmackDown, which led to a slightly more interesting than usual Raw, perhaps, depending on your perspective. I don't know. Let's just start chronologically here. Did you watch Crown Jewel last week? I did not. Uh, again, I think I say this pretty much every time we do a Saudi show, or there's a Saudi show. I'm not passing judgment on anybody that does watch them, but I don't want to watch them. And generally, there really hasn't been much on these shows that I wanted to see. So, uh, you know, I, I still have a network subscription, so it's not like I made some grand uh, gesture of protest or anything. It's just, personally, don't want to watch the show. Didn't think I would enjoy it, and in fact, knew I would feel bad after I watched it. So, went ahead and skipped this one. And based on your uh, your brief recap of it, doesn't sound like I missed a lot. No, like Mansoor, the very problematic Mansoor, uh, defeated Cesaro, and it was a really good match. Um, but like I said, it's the only good match in the history of Saudi Arabia. So, <laughs> uh, what about the historic first ever uh, women's match in Saudi Arabia, where where? Uh, isn't it great that Saudi Arabia treats women right now that Natalia and Lacey Evans wrestled? Everything's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine now. Yep, and it always will be. Yeah. Um, Natalia was clearly very happy. Um, she, like, wrestled with a giant smile on her face. <laughs> but the match was awful. <laughs> 
Um, God bless both of them. Uh, the match was awful. Lacey's not a good wrestler. Yeah, I mean, their regular matches haven't been very good, and the, like, nine or ten of those that they have this year, and I imagine having to wrestle in, like, an oversized t-shirt and probably having very strict rules about, like, I don't know, how close you could be to each other <laughs> while, like, putting on a hold probably hampered them even more than what it would have been in a normal match. Yeah, it wasn't good. Um, so then the talent got delayed leaving Saudi Arabia. Different reasons uh, positive as to why, perhaps. Mm. I'm not sure what to say about that. It just well, it seems like when there's smoke, there's fire, you know? Well, yeah, just the timeline of WWE receiving a very large sum of money uh, and the show being randomly delayed in the country from which it was airing. And then just so happened that every plane in Saudi Arabia that people tried to leave on except for Vince and Hogan and Flair and Brock's planes, I guess. Uh, just, just, just all had issues right at the same time. And uh, is is it common for military police to oversee uh, mechanical issues? No, not that I'm aware of. Okay. Well, AJ I- Styles said it was just mechanical issues, though. <laughs> and, I mean, surely uh, Mr. Flat Earther himself is not, uh, is not one to... Uh, to be hoodwinked by any sort of uh, wrong think. Interesting. Um, I have not heard the military police thing uh, attributed to anyone. Have you? Uh, I believe Dave Meltzer said it, um, which I assume he got from somebody, but um, well, maybe that's not completely accurate, but <laughs> I, I know that was... That was said on one of the, like, nine Wrestling Observer radio shows that have been done about this topic in the last week. All right. Well, and then, uh, so they threw together a SmackDown on Friday that was, like, the greatest WWE television show of the year. (laughs) Which isn't exactly super high praise. Like, I was, I watched it, like, two days later on DVR. And, um was expecting, like, this great show because it heard so many great things about it. And it was good, but it was not, like, the greatest show I've ever seen in my life or anything. No, it was, I mean, it had some life to it because, uh, you know, they there were 38 debuts, and <laughs> um, it felt very much to me like a, a 1999 show or something. Um, and you do, you know, you do a lot of, a lot of debuts, a lot of sneak attacks, a lot of big angles, and then you do a big fun main event. Um, and it, again, I'm not, I don't want to take it away from it. It was a good show, but I, I would agree with you that even some of like the internal logic as the show opened with, uh, Brock Lesnar quitting, uh, because, <laughs> and, and Paul Heyman said this, US, it's not up to the McMahons to decide if guys can go brand to brand anymore. It is up to Fox and USA Network. USA Network doesn't want their guys on Fox, and Fox doesn't want their guys on USA. That's what Paul Heyman said on this promo. And then, apparently, that USA doesn't give half of an S about NXT, though, because they let all their guys go to 
go to go to SmackDown. And at first it was kind of like it was an invasion, and you were like, oh, okay, well, then that's kind of the explanation. But then they just had, like, sanctioned wrestling matches the rest of the night. So uh, I guess, yeah, I guess USA Network only cares if Raw guys go to SmackDown. I appreciate Paul trying to make some logical sense out of all these things, much like uh-huh. on on Raw on Monday where he said he somehow tried to tie Brock Lesnar coming to Raw <laughs> to the Alexa the Alexa bless Necky Crows trade. Uh-huh. Uh but yeah, there are pretty big logicals uh, all but around. Also here. in that same promo he talked about how like no Brock is just different and special and nobody can tell him what to do and he can do whatever he wants, which what a what a great thing to say. <laughs> on the show that Brock Lesnar is on once every three months. Yeah. Let's just tie a bow around SmackDown. Um, honestly, the, the best thing, the thing I like best about the show was the commentary. Uh, because <laughs> just because like, I'm not a big Pat McAfee guy. Uh, and, um, I love Renee, but I don't think the commentary is her best role. And Tom Phillips is just like a human man. Like I, I, <laughs> feel like if you it's put like a man the, he's like a mildly defective michael cole clone well i don't i don't know that might be giving him that's more uh negative than my feel i no, feel like it's just he's just like he's he's a mannequin with a voice box sure and yeah way less negative it is because Cole has such a negative comment, connotation to it. <laughs> but we've we've said before we don't we don't mind Cole so much on this show. I I don't personally hate Michael Cole, but he's not good at what <laughs> at 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 what he is doing. Like it's an so impossible job that he's asked to do, but he's not good at it. That's fair. So you're saying Tom Phillips is better in this role than Michael Cole is in you the same want- role. He was on Friday. Okay. Uh, and it was just, it was different than Michael Cole and Corey Graves yelling at me for three hours. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, that was the best part to me, was just that nobody yelled at each other. And you do start to wonder if maybe Renee could have gotten good at commentary, or at least passable, if perhaps she wasn't working with uh, Michael Cole and Corey Graves, and was instead maybe working with people that would help her and, like, throw to her and, like, set her up for easy, yeah, you know, easy lines and, and stuff like that. But, you know, <laughs> what ifs are, we can do what ifs forever. So she's off on her uh, her very low, <laughs> very lowly uh, viewed at, uh, Fox Sports 1 show now. So Right. If you go back five years and watch some of the first NXT shows that were on the network and she was doing commentary with like Regal and I don't even know who the hell else was on the team at the time. The Rich, whatever that guy's name was. The guy, I think he does MLW commentary now. Yeah, I couldn't remember his fake name. His real name is similar, but not exactly right. But his real name is Lonnie Donegan. Yeah, she was much better on commentary five years ago. If she was today, yeah. working with working with those people. It's funny how that seems to work sometimes. People go to Raw, they get worse. Yeah. So uh, SmackDown uh, overall thumbs up. Uh, Monday Night Raw uh, thumbs in the middle slash down. <laughs> it's just there were a couple good things on Raw, but I know you turned the show off, right? 
So I watched up until uh, Mr. Excitement, Drew McIntyre, and uh, Rusev got in the ring. And then they were having what I described as a Buff Bagwell versus Lex Luger on Thunder Paste type of match. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't do it. And also, I just kind of assumed that uh, Adam Cole wasn't going, it wasn't going to be a clean finish in the Raw main event, unlike the SmackDown main event, where Adam Cole just beat Daniel Bryan. Um, so I was like, well, they're just going to do a big schmoz, and I can see that on uh, social media, you know, two minutes after it happens, or tomorrow, you know, the next morning, or whatever. So it didn't really feel like a uh, must-see viewing. And uh, based on the viewership, I was not alone in tuning out for that third hour. Yeah, it was like the fourth lowest <laughs> uh, third hour of the show ever. Um, yeah. It wasn't good. It, was, it wasn't It was a good show. Um, the Becky and Shayna sit-down I thought was good. And I really can't remember anything else from the show, so... I remember uh, the Undisputed Era attacking Seth and then being run off by Zack Ryder and R-Truth. Ugh. <laughs> Jeez. You know, I remember a really bad Seth promo, too. Although, uh, Triple H, like, kind of uh, asking uh, Seth to turn against the Jedi and join him, uh, I thought was was good and added a little bit of intrigue. Uh, and some much-needed um, life to the Seth Rollins character, who has just been <laughs> shot in the head and then shooting himself in the foot for, like, the last six months. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I don't think it's a terrible idea. Now, honestly, if they had had, like, a little bit of forethought, they could have saved the Finn jumping to NXT thing for this Mm. And he could have been the one to, like, you set it up like Seth's going to be the one that jumps, and then you swerve everybody and Finn joins. But I guess based on NXT this week, uh, Finn is not Team NXT, as he helped, uh, or at least distracted Tommaso Ciampa, and then did the Bullet Club signed AJ Styles. So it seems that he is not a, a team player on his new brand. So I guess they have other ideas for uh, what Finn will be doing on Survivor Series weekend. Interesting, I guess. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't really have a whole lot else to say about Raw. It was, they did, they did a less good version of the NXT invasion, but they did on Friday. Um, it's almost like guys maybe weren't super motivated, uh, for some reason. Um, maybe because they were sort of, uh, you know, trapped in the, the middle of a very rich businessman and a obscenely rich, uh, uh, Prince, and uh, were kind of just held in a, a little a little pissing contest between them, and just kind of had to sit around in a in a foreign country for an extra twenty four hours. And uh, yeah, it's almost like maybe that uh, that maybe took a toll on maybe some of the performers, and they weren't as motivated as they have been. But uh, that's just speculation on my part. I, I'm certainly not claiming to have any uh, inside knowledge about uh, what what may or may not have happened. So we talked a little, a little bit about this off the air, but uh, Rusev and Bobby Lashley is like this really pushed program on Raw. And Rusev is a baby face. Mm -hmm. Why, I'm not sure. Um, he's not a particularly good baby face. He's funny, but he's not a good baby face. And 
he was if you go back like a year he was a heel um I don't know maybe it was longer he was a heel but he got over as like this um comedy babyface he's doing the Rusev Day thing yeah. and then WWE did their best to kill the Rusev Day thing because they didn't like it <laughs> and they didn't want him to be a babyface. Yeah. And now fast forward like, you know, 14 months or whatever and he's a babyface but he doesn't have the Rusev Day thing. I mean, like a few people chant it during his matches, but mm-hmm. so they've they've ended up where they didn't want to go 14 months ago and they ended up there with a guy that's much less over than he was 14 months ago. Correct. Why? This is so bad. <laughs> yeah, but well, why? But why? I mean, <laughs> I mean, you said it in your explanation of the scenario, because they didn't come up with Rusev Day, and they didn't get it. And so, yeah, they he was in a wacky little tag team with Aiden English, and now Aiden English is a commentator, and... Uh, they they broke them up and had like one match on TV, which I think Rusev won, and uh, and then yeah they they turned Rusev so they kind of turned Rusev babyface on SmackDown last year. He actually won the U.S. title from Nakamura on Christmas night, and then like three weeks later they turned him back heel when when like Nakamura beat him for the title, and then r Truth beat Nakamura for the title. But then Rusev got mad at our truth for some reason, and then Nakamura and and Rusev were somehow became a tag team. This is all stuff that happened. I swear to you, but uh, but yeah. So they did like do like an aborted babyface turn with him once before, and then they put him in a tag team with Nakamura, and then Rusev went home for a couple of months, and then he came back as a babyface who is sad <laughs> because his wife's cheating on him. And who gets you know beaten up most of the time? So yeah, that's uh, that's the story. Still don't have an answer to the why question, but <laughs> you know that those don't really seem to to come up. The whys never really seem to get answered uh, as often as the hows or the the whats. Yeah. So any uh, just kind of wrap up main roster WWE talk here. Um, I, uh, Humber- uh, Humberto Carrillo has been on TV, like, three straight weeks now, mm-hmm. and he's really good, and he's really, he's still green, but he's exciting, he's just got buckets of charisma at his disposal, and, um, he gets beat, uh, in every match that he's in, and... Uh-huh. Like, obviously, he's still green and everything, and I know that the options are not, there are not just two options, which are, they are acting like there are only two options with him, which are either beat him in every match that he's in, or put the world title on him. And they clearly have decided, well, we're just going to beat him in every match that he's in. Mm-hmm. And if it were if it were up to me, I would maybe find a middle ground where he wins some matches and loses against top guys but does well against them so that you think hey one day this guy is going to be something instead of just the guy that loses all the time but if there were only the two choices I would put the world title on him 
overbeating him every single week because he's good and he's super charismatic and he's fresh and he's not the Miz or Dolph Ziggler or Bob Lashley or Drew McIntyre or any of these guys that have been that have been on TV for 15 years that I'm so sick of. Like he's new, he's good. Can we do something with him? Uh, the answer appears to be no. Um, he's been, as you mentioned, he was, he had a competitive match with Seth that he lost in his debut. Then he had a competitive match with AJ, which he lost. And then he had another match with AJ, which he lost. And then he had a six man on Raw, if I'm not mistaken, Correct. that he lost. Yes. So, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, it's funny because, it, like, at least Cedric got to win a couple times before they just crushed him. Yeah, like he got to pin. He pinned AJ in that like Madison Square Garden show with Austin, giving everybody beer in the main event and all that. And then, uh, and then they beat him like a drum. <laughs> yes, yeah. so, but yeah, uh, Humberto hasn't even gotten that. He hasn't even gotten his like token roll up victory over the champion to set up a title match before they beat him again. Yeah, they're just they just beating him like a drum. Anyway. <laughs> AJ Styles is now like in his second or third straight program against a young babyface where it feels like they're setting up for a, a win and instead uh, AJ just like kills the guy. Yep. I wonder, I wonder why that is. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, He's strong for Hunter, that's why. Probably. All right. I'm like still 75% sure that's the WrestleMania match. Hang on, who against Hunter? AJ. Huh. <laughs> Just a thought. Why? I, 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 well, I theorized this back when they did the old man Raw and DX ran off the OC. And yeah. AJ was yelling about going down to Orlando and beating yeah. up, beating up his kids. Yeah. And I was like, and I was like, well, AJ's just beating everybody all the time now in a time where it really feels like he doesn't need to beat everybody. Well, maybe they're keeping him strong for somebody. Or, I mean, maybe they're going to feud him with some other top baby face, but generally they don't seem to care about feuding with any full time, about keeping people strong for any full time performer. So I just assume AJ's wrestling, uh, Triple H, The Undertaker. Brock, one of those guys who, you know, who needs a special opponent, because, you know, the regular guys can just lose all the time. Who cares what happens to them or their feuds? Well, generally, the, all of the bad guys win in WWE. <laughs> so, like, I, we're back to, uh, you know, baby faces getting kicked in the balls every week. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, it's really bad. Do you think they remember that AJ and DX thing? I don't think they remember that. Unless they're doing... Unless they've already decided they're doing Triple H and AJ. <laughs> All right. Uh, the uh, Wednesday Night War this week. Uh, NXT and AEW. I did not watch NXT. We're recording this right after AEW. Um, what'd you watch? What'd you like? Uh, mostly just AEW this week. Um, I did see, as I mentioned, the end of the main event uh, on NXT, which was the club versus... Uh, Ciampa, Riddle, and Keith Lee. Uh, and then they did a big wild brawl at the end and no finish in the match, which irritated me. But, 
Just, I mean, this big wild spectacle. Matt Riddle definitely almost died trying to do like this crazy twisting dive over the top rope uh, onto the floor. And yeah, like I, as I mentioned, they they seem to be setting up that Finn is is siding with uh, the other Bullet Club guys rather than his his brand. Because uh, apparently Finn is the one guy who figured out that this brand supremacy stuff doesn't mean anything, and no one should care about it. I see. But other than that, no, I didn't didn't see much of NXT other than that. Uh but uh, I know they're they're doing more more of the planning for war games. I think they announced uh in fact Marina Shafir and Justin Duke will not be on Shayna Baszler's team for the war games match, which seems like a good idea based on the skill that those two women have displayed in the times I've seen them wrestle recently. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But uh, yeah, other than that, it seemed like a you know seemed like an all right show. I'll try to catch if I if I hear anything good about the rest of the show, I'll try to catch that. But uh, on the other hand, AEW, which of course has a pay per view this Saturday night that we will be in attendance for, uh, I thought that was a pretty solid go home show overall. What about you? Yeah, I would agree. They didn't uh, reinvent the wheel or anything, but uh, you don't necessarily have to. <laughs> it's probably better right. that you don't try to. Um, we could run down the card for, for Saturday. Uh, they set up Joey Janela versus Sean Spears, which. They sure did. It's kind of mind blowing to me. I, <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure why exactly. Sean Spears beat that geek, uh, Brandon Cutler, <laughs> who's mm-hmm. really not particularly good. And, uh, sorry about that. Something just fell over. Um, yeah, so Joey Janela uh, will get on uh, television, which is good for him, I suppose. Uh, they added Private Party to the AEW World Tag Team title match on Saturday. Um, I'm not sure if that makes it a better match with SCU and the Lucha Brothers, but I'm not sure if it doesn't either. Do you have any feelings on that? I mean, it'll, yeah, I mean, it'll, <laughs> the amount of big dives will increase, I would imagine. <laughs> Um, so maybe it'll be more of a spectacle than your classic tag team wrestling match. So depending on perhaps the type of wrestling you enjoy, this might make it better. Or um, obviously they kind of have set this up that the Lucha Brothers and SCU are kind of this blood feud because the Lucha Brothers pile, pile dro- drive drove driven. <laughs> I don't. What is the what is the past tense of pile driver? Uh, I don't know. I think he could go with pile drived or pile drove. Okay. Uh, Christopher Daniels has been pile driven by <laughs> by uh, by Pentagon, so that feels like. A, so I can understand if people were like, eh, "I'd rather see them, those two teams, just go at it in a you know regular match again." But I guess maybe they feel like since they just did that match in the tournament, they wanted to add some sort of variety, so it's not just a straight rematch of a match we saw the other week, but yeah, it, it doesn't bother me that Private Party uh, is in the match, so I guess answer your question. Uh, Rio and Emi Sakura for the women's title is on Saturday. Um, Rio's super over. I'm not sure that Emi Sakura is super over, but these two, I guess Emi Sakura trained Rio is the story, and uh, so for that reason alone, they should have a good match. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be a really good match. I do think one of the biggest things that has been missing from Dynamite is that other than that first week, 
where Riho won the title, they really haven't done much with her. Uh, you know, she was in it like a tag match, and then they did the match with her and Britt Baker. I'm sorry, Doctor Britt Baker, and she she beat Doctor Britt, and then Doctor Britt Baker was on TV next week, and I don't think Riho got a mention. I understand that she also works in Japan still, and may not be available for television every single week, but you could you could at least do some video packages. Um, it just feels this match feels very thrown together for me, um, and with it, as you mentioned, that. Uh, Emi Sakura trained Riho. It, that type of student versus teacher match really shouldn't be something that feels like it's an afterthought. Uh, you know, this should seem like you know the biggest challenge yet for, for Riho to overcome, and instead it's just going to be a match. But I'm sure you know in the ring it'll be very good because uh, Riho especially is very very good. Uh, B Priestley against. Dr. Britt Baker. I guess this is on the pre-show, the aforementioned Dr. Britt Baker. Yeah. Um, I was developing the opinion that B. Priestley was really good, uh, mm. and then I and then I saw her spike somebody on her head this weekend. Um, <laughs> yes. On Twitter, and I'm not so sure anymore. Like, that was a move with, like, a very low margin for error and it's like why would you try that if you weren't absolutely certain that you could do it right she just she just dropped this poor girl right she spiked her right on top of her head from the top rope (laughs) like yes it was really really bad it's one of those things where it was it was messed up so much that you can't even exactly tell what they were doing like either it was a top rope power bomb or it was supposed to be a hurricane rana but you can't tell because it was so so uh kind of messed up. But yeah, I mean and the fact that this this feud is for the most part predicated on B Priestley in real life, the first offensive move she had in an AEW ring was kicking Britt Baker as hard as she could in the back of the head, uh, would tell you that maybe uh there's still some uh some some scratches to be buffed out or uh some other analogy. Um <laughs> but I will say, I mean, I think the build was good. They did a really good video package for this on AEW Dark. Um, I actually kind of wish they had played it on the on the main show. But uh, it was really good where Britt Baker kind of narrates the whole scenario, talks about the different... I liked it because she talked about it, a real thing that happened, but within a still a... a within the fictional world. She didn't talk about shooting or, uh, you know like a move going wrong, but she did talk about, you know, the difference between fighting with the intent to win and fighting with the intent to injure. And then, you know, talked about basically how Bree Priestley is a mean person who doesn't care and fights to hurt people. And so this Saturday, and she's going to put her in her mandible claw crossface thing. And then she explained in great detail with her, with of course, because she's a dentist, exactly how many, like, tendons and muscles and bones she could break and ended it by saying, I'm going to rip your effing jaw off. So I thought Britt Baker did a really good promo uh, for this match and kind of, kind of a bummer that all of this works is probably the most built up women's uh, feud in the company by far. And it's going to happen on the pre-show. Maybe this will just be the first match of a program and they'll keep going. Um, but yeah, I, I'm kind of surprised they put this much time into 
seemingly building Brit as one of their featured stars, and then now she's on the pre-show. Particularly when, you know, these shows go like four or five hours, and it's not like they had a ton announced before, you know, Wednesday this week. There right. Were like, there were like four matches announced. <laughs> like, right. Why? Anyway. Uh, yeah, so, uh, I'm not sure if there's going to be a, um, Battle Royal on this show or not. They usually do that, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Casino Battle Royal on the buy-in. It's never very good, but they usually do that on these, uh, bu- 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 pay-per-views. Um, the Young Bucks are wrestling Santana and Ortiz. They tried to get some steam behind this on, uh, Dynamite this week. I think the Lucha Bros are the best tag team in the company, uh, even more so than the Bucks. And so I, I don't care about this match, but I'm sure it'll be very good live. Yeah, I, they, obviously the, the big heat angle for this was last week when they beat up the Rock and Roll Express. So this week there was kind of some brief brawling with, with the Bucks and, and, and uh, Santana and Ortiz, but it, it really wasn't the focus of this go-home show, so... We'll see. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be a very good match. Either way. Um, Chris Jericho and Cody for the AEW World title. If Cody loses, he will never challenge for the AEW title again. Hmm. Seems, I don't, like, you don't have to book yourself into a corner. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yes. We've talked right about away, this many times. Right off the bat here, they book themselves into a corner where they either have to beat the new world champion who has been world champion for uh, uh, about, what, two months? Yeah. <laughs> or six weeks of television. Um, they either have to beat the world champion or they have to uh, adhere to a stipulation that will almost surely be broken at some point. Well, there's a third option, which is the, w- the WWE way, which is if you listen to what Cody said, he said, if I do not beat Chris Jericho, not if I don't win the title. So you could do a letter of the law thing where the inner circle runs in for a DQ. I assume this is not going on last. Well, I think they they could probably talk themselves into doing a screwy finish and then a big brawl with the Bucks and Hager and MJF and whoever, and that'll and the crowd will go wild for that. And then so they'll avoid getting like crapped on for doing a bad finish. But then they also don't have to take the belts off Jericho or say that Cody can never challenge for the world title again. Or you could do a 60-minute draw. Could do that, but technically that would mean Cody didn't beat him, right? But he also didn't lose. True, but his promo said, if I do not beat Chris Jericho. Ugh. <laughs> why, are we, why are we doing that? Plus this? they have judge. No, actually, also, they they have judges, and if it goes to a 60-minute draw they're going to have the judges rule on the winner. That's right. I forgot about the judges because that's that's a thing in in wrestling. It always has been. Uh, I know it was a WCW thing 30 years ago, but yeah. uh, why are we doing this? I don't know why we're doing this stipulation. I mean, any to of this. promise there will be a winner, I guess. 
I'm very negative on this match all of a sudden. <laughs> Which is sad, because Cody cut a great promo tonight. He he did. It was very, very good. Um, Jericho did this hilarious uh, hype <laughs> video on the show as well, with, like, yeah. Virgil and someone playing his aunt's friend, <laughs> Loretta Bobsky from her, his aunt's church, and... Um, the problem is, and Jericho knows this, it's turning him babyface. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think the crowd is going to play, will play along because the crowd wants to make these shows what they're supposed to be. Right. But these are, make Jericho a, a, a comedy figure and a babyface, which is always what happens. He's so entertaining as a heel that he ends up being a babyface. Yeah, that's that's kind of the eternal problem here. I mean, to and to your point, I mean, when Cody came out and beat up Jericho at the end of the show, fans went crazy for it. So the fans will still cheer for. It's not like there's. I don't think there's going to be like dueling chants between Cody and and Jericho. But you're absolutely right that in the long term, if you're trying to be as he has sort of purported to be trying to be this like old school vicious heel that nobody likes, kind of like what he was when he wore the suit in in WWE in, like, 2008-2009. Uh, that ain't happening as long as he's being, like, wacky, entertaining Jericho and, uh, you know, doing, doing this incredible parody of the video package that they did on Cody a few weeks ago. Um, and, uh, yeah, that so they, they, they do need to be careful. They do need to walk that line a little more carefully, so... Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought I like I said, I'm very curious what they will do with this main event because again, Cody's wording does give them a little bit of an out. But as I mentioned, that's a very WWE thing to do to do to promise a stip with a very big like thing on the line and then like weasel your way out of it so that neither option comes true. Like that's a real and like I said, they can soften that by like right after that announcing, oh, by the way, we're going to do, uh, not War Games, what, what, the Match Beyond, which was Dusty's other, other name for it. So, you can, you can probably avoid, like, the crowd revolting if you do a, a DQ or a count out or something, but it is kind of a very WWE thing to do. And then, Going on last, it has to go on last because it's a lights out unsanctioned match. I hope to one day love my wife and dog as much as Tony Khan loves lights out matches. <laughs> Kenny Omega and John Moxley in a lights out unsanctioned anything goes barbed wire bat, barbed wire broom, hardcore match. Mm hmm. So I I don't know if I've brought this up on the show. I I think I brought it up to you in uh, off off air. But can someone explain to me what the difference is between like a street fight and a lights out match? Because like Jericho and Darby Allen had a street fight where they did weapons and tons of crazy stuff, and there was run-ins and everything, and that was apparently okay. Like that was sanctioned by by AEW uh, by by Tony Khan. But yet the was it the Janela Moxley match, the Omega Janela match, and now the Omega Moxley match. These are all unsanctioned match. So I'm just like, what makes a hardcore match okay 
and sanctionable sometimes, but not other times. Could not tell you. Okay. Just making sure it's not just me. No, I don't know, man. Maybe it's barbed wire. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, if the idea is, well, the people involved are so much more crazy and unpredictable that, again, you can just say that. Just tell me a reason. Like, I'm not asking for a lot here. I'm not, I'm not mad. And I've never <laughs> been mad in my life. But I, I just need you to explain to me why it's different and why some hardcore matches either do all your hardcore matches are unsanctioned matches that don't count against win-loss records or say that, or explain to me exactly why some are okay and some aren't. That's all I ask. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like you're asking for a lot. Well, you would need someone to be playing the role of an AEW authority figure to explain that, and they clearly <laughs> they, they don't want to do that. They don't want to do authority figures. Yet I want Tony Khan to walk out on that stage and cut a 15-minute promo explaining this to me. Yet in the fifth week of television, Tony Khan was a character. Never shown on screen, but shown behind a, a closed door, much like uh, Vince Russo as the powers that be. <laughs> Uh, and then Mo- Moxley came out and cut a promo about how they're trying to shove him into a box. Yeah, I didn't like that. I mean, I think the promo was good, but <laughs> the content of the promo <laughs> was a little bit crazy. Like, this is not a perfect promotion, clearly. Oh, sure. But given the alternatives? <laughs> I think, as as we mentioned, the shows are definitely not perfect. And there's major things, as I mentioned, I really would like to see them, uh, not to steal your gimmick, Ethan, but I'd really like to see them focus on the women a bit more. What? And uh, I'd like to see them, if if Riho's your women's champion, she should be the most important woman on the show. So start telling me stories about her. (laughs) Like, start (laughs) building up challengers for her directly. Uh, Or if if you want Britt Baker to be the star of your show, Dr. Britt Baker, excuse me, uh, put the title on her. And that's fine, if that's what you want to do. But uh, certainly not a perfect show. And as you mentioned, there are wacky things like this, or things that make you a little nervous, like like Tony Khan's voice appearing on the television show. Um, What's going on with these Brandy videos? Uh, she's So last week it looked like she was performing some sort of ritual. Yes. And she summoning, was going crazy. Summoning Kong. And then this week she was uh, sitting in a chair... Uh, holding, she was holding a brandy glass. Did you notice that? It was a glass of brandy. Because her name, even her name is Brandy, and she was drinking brandy. Did you, do you get that? Do you get why that's a thing? Yeah, I don't know why she was wearing a veil and talking <laughs> about how people think she's a bimbo and how hard her life has been. It's like, by the end of it, are you like, are you cutting a promo on the fans? Are you cutting a promo on, like... The women wrestlers up, in the company? Right. Like, they were setting up something a little while ago with her and Allie, but then I don't think Allie's been on an episode of Dynamite. She's been on a couple of AEW Darks, but... Uh, so, like, yeah, she's, is she calling out the other women in the in the roster who, like, whisper behind her back? So, again, you can explain this to me, and I'll accept a lot of stuff because it's wacky pro wrestling, and it, I didn't think it was, like, a badly delivered soliloquy, but it was pretty random for a, for, like, we've seen Brandy on the main show. She has been Cody's wife. 
and has walked to the ring with him a few times, and now as, she... As a baby face. Right, correct. Uh, now, obviously, if, if... I mean, I understand that the shows before the TV show started are still canon, so she was kind of a heel and kind of paired with Awesome Kong on those <laughs> shows. But also, those shows were watched by, let's say, at a maximum of, like, 100,000 people, and now you have a show which so far at minimum has done like 750,000 people so maybe try to explain like the more do a little more explanation of like the character possession uh progression from uh cody's wife to uh which 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 doctor to uh <laughs> uh now like the paul bearer to austin kong's undertaker there is definitely a very uh, cinematic American horror story feel to these promos. Sure. Like I said, I'm, I'm fine with some wacky. I mean that that I didn't. We didn't. Neither of us, I don't believe, ever watched much Lucha Underground. But I imagine that those type of vignettes would be very much at home on the Lucha Underground shows. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this is again still theoretically a new audience that you're trying to explain who all these people are. To and yeah, maybe just just take it easy. <laughs> Let's just go one step at a time. Um, yeah. By the way, I think Moxley and Omega will be a good match <laughs> to get back to the topic. <laughs> uh, I, I, get, I don't know. Like, are you jazzed? Are you excited to go to the show? Or how do you, how do you feel about it? Since we'll, since we'll both be there live in attendance. Mm, as far as the show itself. I think I would rather be home watching it on television, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> to be honest. Um, but, like, some of the ancillary things like StarCast and the After Party and things like that, it's cool that it's in our town, you know what I mean? Sure, yeah. Um, so I'll be going to some of that stuff. But uh, just as far as just watching the show, like, I don't... Um, Kind of, I'm kind of <laughs> detached uh, from any emotion from the the, the company, just because. Oh, and wrestling, you meant? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, life too. But... I thought we were having some confessions here. <laughs> oh no 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 no! no. Long time listener, understand <laughs> exactly what they're doing <laughs> here. <laughs> At least they should when they turn on the show. Uh, uh-huh. But yeah yeah, 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 yeah. How about you? Yeah, I, I'm excited for it based on I've been to two AEW shows this year already, and they were both really good shows, and I think there will be some wild, fun stuff on this. There's nothing that I'm, like, dying to see. Like, I think Omega and Moxley will probably have a wild, crazy match and do some really violent, crazy stuff that I've certainly never seen live before. I'm sure uh, the three-way tag match will be a, a, a true spectacle um, I'm yeah. I'm sure there'll be a lot of good wrestling matches on the show. Um, I wouldn't say I'm like super excited for it. Certainly not as excited as I was for for All Out. Um, but I mean, yeah, I'm generally I'm pretty excited for it. I I think it'll be a good show. And so far, going to see them live, like I said, this will be my third time. They haven't let me down yet. So I have a sort of some mi- minor optimism towards this company as far as their ability to put on a live show so far. 
will Joey Janela and Sean Spears, the chairman, be in the Cracker Barrel Clash, or will they have uh, another com- another comedy hardcore brawl for the Cracker uh, Barrel Clash? I hope it's them. See, it's it's hard though when you present some when you're trying to present something like Omega and Moxley as this serious lights out thing. To your point about what makes different hardcore matches different, right. <laughs> and yet on the same show you're gonna have like a comedy hardcore brawl with Orange Cassidy in it, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's a, a really fair point, and um, yeah, maybe 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 take it a little easier on the on the steps going forward. I. I mean, I understand you got. I understand if you got you got sponsors and you got stuff you're you're doing. That's fine, but it, it is to your point to do to do both of them on the same show is. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a little bit, and we we've talked about this for years with WWE, with WWE when they do Extreme Rules or TLC or Hell in a Cell, and you have like four ladder matches on one show or three cage matches or whatever, or three different hardcore matches. It's like at a certain point, it's like well, they're just there's only so many things you can do and you can't do all of them in one match, or at least you shouldn't. So it's like, yeah, some of them have to be lighter, even though if theoretically this step should probably be saved for like serious blood feuds, but I guess that's just not how wrestling works anymore. Now, what do you do for a finish for Omega and Moxley? Cause you probably shouldn't beat Moxley and yet, Omega's like lost every big match he's had in AEW. Yeah, I mean, I still get the feeling that Moxley's going to win, and especially since, thank God, Ethan, it doesn't count towards their their win and loss record. So, mm. yes. so I think I think or yeah, they, they'll do some big wild stunt to end the match, and then one of them will you know get the one arm over the other guy to cover and and get the pin and um. Uh, yeah, I don't. I guess it. They seem to be pretty good so far with their with their pay per views of setting up what they're going to do next. Um, like, or you, you're usually able to tell kind of what where they're going next. Like, it was pretty easy to see that Cody was going to be the next in line for the world title, based on the fact that he was like one of the only baby faces who won <laughs> a singles match at All Out. Um, so I could see them maybe doing I don't I don't know if I mean, I don't think they have another pay-per-view this year so I don't know if you try to heat up Janela for a TV match with Jericho for the title or or what you do with uh, with some of these other singles matches if you if you want to say that the winner of uh, Dr. Baker and B Priestley gets a women's title match like you can do if you want to say the winner of the Bucks and Santana Ortiz gets a tag title match um, so I guess I guess based on the finishes to the title matches and then who wins the non-title matches, it might become clear what they're where they're going uh, as they move towards the end of the year. Agreed. Although it definitely appears as though they're doing war games on Thanksgiving night, right, or the night before Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, that that seems to make all the sense in the world. And uh, I, I just want to say I called this like a month ago um, on Twitter. I don't know if I said it on the show, but. Uh, head to head to TWL underscore podcast for all my scoops, but uh, yeah, this they're definitely going to do that on 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 Thanksgiving or the night before Thanksgiving, and uh, I'm sure it'll be great. Uh, I I don't know if they're gonna if they're gonna do the old war games where there are no pins and and that kind of stuff. I don't know if a modern wrestling crowd is up for that. <laughs> Where you just have guys fighting, and then at the end somebody gives up, and that's how the match ends. 
but we'll see. If someone's going to try that, it's definitely going to be this group. Like, Correct. They definitely have the guts to to try stuff. Oh, for sure. I mean, and TNA did their version, which they did it in <laughs> one ring, and there were, like, weapons taped to the side of the cage. And, and I'm the pretty sure one faces, ended in... The baby faces always started with the man advantage. <laughs> Correct. Ugh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this tremendous. This tremendous stuff. Uh, but, uh, and I'm pretty sure, like, one ended in a DQ or something in TNA, but, or was that the big red cage? I can't remember, but either way, either way, they definitely had a couple cage matches and in DQs, but yeah, I would imagine if anyone was gonna try to do the old school war games, that it would, in fact, be the son of Dusty Rhodes. Alright, a couple quick, quick hits here. Joey Mercury went off on Ring of Honor on Twitter this week. Ring of Honor apparently is not very well run. What a shock. What would give you that idea based on the past year? Yeah, apparently they don't have security at their shows. <laughs> they don't have and doctors at most of their shows. They don't have doctors, yeah, and they uh, let they don't pay very well and they let uh, their top uh, woman star uh fly and wrestle in a foreign country with a concussion. Seems bad. Seems real bad. Like, I don't know if this leads to anything or not, but I mean, they're clearly falling apart. Um, their alliance with New Japan, as New Japan starts working in, you know, has opened an American subsidiary, sure seems tenuous at best. Uh, their alliance with CMLL seems tenuous at best. <laughs> Things do not seem to be going very well for them, and if New Japan, I don't know. Jericho is apparently the only guy who can work New Japan and AEW. Kenny Omega has it in his deal that he can too, but there's hard feelings, um, I think, on both sides. But it sure seems like maybe more from even from the American side in, in, in that thing and so it's got to be weird that Jericho uh, was announced this week as going to wrestle. Ta- well, it's the worst kept secret in wrestle. We've known it for three months, but Jericho's going. Jericho's wrestling Tanahashi at the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's an exciting match. And I, I pose this question to you. We talked about it a little bit off the air, but do you see Jericho sticking around past this match? Because I know he kind of had that list of guys to work with, which was like the Omega, Okada. Tanahashi and Naito, and now he will have worked all those guys. Do you think he sticks around to work the the Ospreys and Ibushis and Jay Whites or whoever? Or do you think this might be it? I think he likes money. (laughs) And I think he likes going to Japan and thinking that he's paying tribute to his dead friend who's a murderer. Uh Uh-huh. And I think he'll keep doing it as long as he can. So, there's I mean, who wouldn't want to work with Suzuki? I mean, I'm sure he sure. wants to work with Suzuki as well. Uh, and, like, I don't know what his price is. I'm assuming it's like a hundred grand a match. <laughs> it might be a little bit more. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, if you can go over for three days or whatever and make a hundred grand, like, why would you not do that? Yeah. For as long, for as long as you can. That makes sense. So, yeah, I expect kind of how it's been going two or three times a year. Uh, <laughs> Jericho will go to Japan, 
and he'll work some kind of crazy hardcore brawl, and uh, <laughs> they'll keep. I mean, they don't seem to mind. In, in if anything, you would think the jet, the New Japan office would be like, okay, it's we're going to get diminishing returns here at some point. It, we have to keep him strong, so it doesn't really do our guys any favors to keep putting him in matches with him. But they keep doing it, so they must be nice. fine with it too. I mean, yeah, they let him. And like, I'm trying to look at the guys he's beaten. He beat what? He beat Naito and he beat Evil, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Does he come in to, to have like Sonata sacrificed to him or something in 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 the middle here or something? If they if because I assume they don't want to just keep beating him, but. I don't know. You could, I guess, if you, if you wanted to have another match, or you could just keep bringing him in for the the all star matches and you just do whatever you're gonna do. But uh, is is does it seem like Moxley's done now? I don't know, man. I don't know. I certainly got that impression. I haven't heard anybody say that, but I think. Uh, I mean, he was he had. Staff in his elbow again or whatever, so he could right. not he could not wrestle. And it is um, policy like they always strip the title if the guy isn't going to be there. That wasn't like a special thing they did because they were mad at him, correct? Correct. But at the same time, I get the impression that they were mad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, they, they were mad that he got hurt uh, or that you know he got staff again. Um, I I don't know that the fact. Mm, I think they like having a U.S. champion. They think that the U.S. title is a draw when they run in America. <laughs> it's not. Uh-huh. It's not. But they think it is. Well, not because they put it on, like, no, God bless him, but, like, Juice Robinson or Lance Archer holds it. Like, what? it could be one thing if, like, when Omega and Jay White were, hold, were, were fighting over it, but now it's just, like... It feels like a, a mid. It feels lower. It feels like about at the level of the Never Title, right? Maybe lower. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. EC has never bothered going after the U.S. Title, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Well, I guess we could talk about two here since we're just talking about everything now. Uh, the uh, New Japan Power Struggle show ended with a really weird angle with uh, the top four guys in the company right now are Okada, Naito, Ibushi, and Jay White. And that show ended with Jay White saying he wasn't going to fight Naito, and Okada saying he doesn't want the Intercontinental Championship. And then, like, two days later, we did a press conference, and Naito is fighting Jay White. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, Okada is wrestling Ibushi, and the winners will wrestle on the second night of the Tokyo Dome for both championships. So I don't know why that <laughs> segment... It's kind of a weird thing to do, right? To have two of the four guys who could be your first ever dual champion say they basically had no interest in being it. Yeah, I mean, White didn't say he had no interest. He just didn't want to... He was being a heel, and he didn't want to defend against Naito. Okay. I get, um, whereas Okada just outright said, I don't... <laughs> I don't want the Intercontinental title. <laughs> right. Okay, so maybe not Jay White's angle is more like, I'll just wrestle the winner of Ibushi Okada. Yeah. I don't want to wrestle yeah. Naito and then have to wrestle them. Right, that's what it okay, was. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, but Okada, is, no, it's just... <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. I actually did watch that post-match. The, nice thing, by the way, if, uh, for our listener, if you, uh, you uh, New Japan always posts those, those post-match promos and interviews on YouTube, and they... 
have English subtitles, so you can follow along. There's some just excellent quotes every time, uh, but from uh, mostly from Okada, but from from everybody certainly. Uh, Suzuki always has some great lines too. But um, yeah, stay at was... home in bed, you bastard. It's <laughs> <laughs> the greatest thing he's ever said. <laughs> stay at home in bed, bastard. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that, that was kind of an awkward thing. Cause then they kind of do a thing where Okada's like, well, why don't we pull the crowd? And the crowd doesn't make <laughs> any noise. Yeah. The crowd and so they bad. just, and then they just kind of one by one leave the ring. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was very bad. <laughs> so it was a very yeah. awkward way of setting up theoretically, you know, your biggest match ever. Yes. And it was definitely actually for once like a commercial for the importance of scripting promos. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is very weird. But I mean, I guess um, uh, based on the fact that Jay White doesn't want to wrestle Naito and Okada doesn't care, seemingly, uh, does that mean Naito Obushi is your night two main event now? You uh, think? Uh, uh, I hate that match. And you know yep. why? They, they try to break each other's necks. I was like, uh, imagine they've done that on so many shows that don't matter. Imagine what they'll do to each other and themselves at the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, there might be an actual death. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I guess it's a credit to them that I can see any of the four doing it. Yeah. I, can see, I can see it being Naito because he first started talking about it in promos like six months ago. Mm-hmm. I could see Okada doing it because it's Okada. <laughs> right. I can Always see that. Right, I could see Ibushi, Ibushi being the guy because he's kind of new to the main event there, and you want to establish uh, so, somebody who can kind of uh, take Tanahashi's place as a guy that could still go. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like yeah. Ibushi has kind of replaced Tanahashi in that upper, uh, permanent upper crust there. Yeah. And I could see White doing it because I'm not betting against them going all the way with Jay White ever again. <laughs> You've been wrong so many times when you thought they were done. <laughs> right, you call you called he's winning uh he's winning G one or whatever or whatever. Right. I think I said he would go to the finals, yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. Um yeah. So you called him winning the IWGP title. <laughs> like it yeah. he does it every time. Uh, so I don't know. It's a credit. It's a credit to them. Uh, it's a credit to them. And he has gotten a lot better. I think people who maybe saw him when he was on his Ring of Honor excursion, or who maybe saw him when he first became the Knife Pervert, might uh, might and then kind of tuned out at that point. I think he has turned himself into one a very good worker, and two, uh, you know, one of the better heels in that company. Um, one because he's like a heel who actually gets booed. And unlike, say, like Naito or somebody who is, I guess, theoretically not a nice guy or not a good guy, but is pretty beloved by everyone. So it is refreshing. And it was it was a real shot in the arm. And I think him and him and Kenta as like the two guys who actually get booed, (laughs) who are supposed to be heels, uh, make a make a fun like that. That Bullet Club really needed a shot in the arm after uh especially after all the elite guys left. And I think he's done a good, as good a job as you could have given the circumstances. Yeah. I just don't need to see him wrestle Hiroki Goto ever again. As long <laughs> as I live. 
fair, fair enough. Oh, Matt, you want to talk about? <laughs> it's a slightly more athletic Lex Luger Buff Bagwell Thunder match. <laughs> <laughs> like it's slightly more athletic because they're actually hitting each other, whereas I feel like Buff and Lex wouldn't get within a foot of each other's face. <laughs> right. But the matches are boring. <laughs> yeah. Part of that probably comes from the fact that Hiroki Goto is like 47 years old and has never been like a real tippy-top guy, or at least hasn't been in a long time. And so they nobody ever thinks he's going to beat like Jay White. I guess he did in the G1 this year, but like, no, <laughs> he's never going to beat him when it matters. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, as always, we've had a uh, uh, what is this? a uh, free-flowing uh, conversation <laughs> that occasionally touched on mature subjects. Yes, it, we uh, we covered a lot of ground, uh, shared a few laughs, <laughs> and uh, now let's let's take it on home. Yeah, and we don't go skiing. All right. <laughs> All right, Lonnie Donigan. Till next time, I'm Ethan. And I'm Lonnie. We'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. Never not shocking to me when I have headphones on and the Skype <laughs> jingle start playing in my ears. It's very yeah. startling. Very startling. <laughs> it's funny because it's played on like a xylophone or something, but it's a very <laughs> sudden xylophone. Yes. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sneak attack from a xylophone. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Which is about all the the uh, closing segment on AEW tonight was missing. <laughs> <laughs> a xylophone. A xylophone as sudden as the devastating Judas effect. <laughs> I swear. It's <laughs> the worst looking thing ever. I try to keep on keeping on.